It's great to see you. My name is Rob. If I haven't uh, met you, I'd love for you to introduce yourself afterwards so I can put a, a name with a face. That'd be very helpful. I uh, passed the baton here in January of 2020. Simple story. I was spending some time with God alone one day, and I heard God say with an audible voice, COVID, COVID. I said, what does COVID mean, Lord? He said, just get out, just get out. I got out right before all the pandemic uh, uh, occurred and left that in the hands of Pastor Jose and the marvelous pastoral team here. And uh, I'm actually really thrilled that it happened at that time, all right? It's so good to see so many new faces, and that's exactly what is supposed to happen in a transition between one pastor and the other, because God is in charge, and Jesus is the head of the church, and no man or woman. Can I get an amen? amen? So we've been in a, a series here, Songs of Jesus, and this is the template that Pastor Jose has asked all the presenters to uh, use during this uh, series. What does this psalm teach me about God? What does this psalm teach me about myself? And how does this psalm compel me to respond? When I end this message, I'm gonna leave the first two parts to you and then I'm gonna un unpack the aspire. I wanna show you the, the, the two pictures here that will help us understand this psalm, chapter one that's already been uh, read to you this morning. The first picture is this picture. This picture is of Crystal Falls. Maybe some of you have been there before. It's uh, outside of Pagosa Springs, Colorado. I had a great opportunity to spend uh, mid-July through August 1st, three weeks in Colorado. Somebody had to do it. Uh, working there, I uh, can work remotely for the most part, and I was representing you well uh, in the cool climate and this thing called rain, let me spell it, R-A-I-N, rain, okay? So this is Crystal Falls. My youngest daughter, Kaylee, some of you know Kaylee. Kaylee's gonna be 25 in December. Some of you remember Kaylee when we brought her home. And her boyfriend, Corey, and I, we went to Crystal Falls. So Crystal Falls is eight miles from Pagosa Springs. So. You know, quite, quite the journey, especially for a guy my age, high altitude. You know, you get the picture. So you're thinking already, my gosh, eight, eight miles all the way to Crystal, Crystal Falls, and then eight miles back, which, which totals what? Somebody help me. <laughs> what's, what's the answer? Not a trick question. 16, right? Somebody in the first service said 30, okay. <laughs> The Texas State student. So anyway, six. <laughs> I graduated from there. No worries. No worries. Okay. Relax. Relax. Okay. Those 16 miles. And you're thinking, wow. How did you do that, Rob? I mean, well, obviously you see this, you know, incredible <laughs> physique. <laughs> now, actually, uh, we rented a UTV and. Uh, we went up and back, and it was a marvelous, bumpy ride. So this is Crystal Falls. And you can see the falls, probably a bad picture, sorry about that. I wish it was you know, this way versus this way, horizontal versus vertical, yes. But you can see up at the top, the, the peak of Crystal Falls, and of course the kids climbed up there. I'm like, no, I'll just get a picture and stay down here, because that'll work for me. I've been at 
many waterfalls around the world. And so I'm good. And the idea of showing this to you today is where would you like to spend a day? Where would you like to spend a week, a month, a year, maybe even a lifetime? Would you like to spend it here or here? Now, this is when the Amazon was on fire. This is the Brazilian portion of the Amazon. Some of you remember years ago when it was, when it was on fire. So when you look at Crystal Falls and when you look at this fire, you might think, wow, hmm, okay, where would I like to spend a day, a week, a month, year, vacation, my lifetime? So let's, let's, just, let's just poll. Can we, can we just poll each other right now? How many of you guys are going to pick Crystal Falls? Can I see your hand? All right. And then the Amazon, Brazilian fire, anybody? Okay, we have one over here, and we have two here, and we had one up front during early service. Okay, so basically Crystal Falls wins out hands down, and God's people said amen, okay? Can God's people say amen, okay? Amen. So we have a choice. We really do have a choice. And that's what Psalm chapter one is all about. This Psalm was written in 1410 BC. And the totality of the Psalms were written between 1410 BC and 430 BC or so. So a thousand years, period of a thousand or duration of a thousand years. So it was not like a bunch of musicians or songwriters got together and they went into the green room or the cave and they said, man, let's just have a massive jam session and write all these songs together. And then David and his other colleagues produced these 150 psalms. That's not how it, it worked. David's the author of this psalm. And you're going to see that he identifies himself, or I can just tell you that he identifies himself as the king in the beginning part of Psalm chapter 2. As a matter of fact, you need to know that Psalm chapter 1 and Psalm chapter 2 were written as a package. Man separated them in the scriptures in the Old Testament, but they're written as a package. And so the last two verses of, or so verses of Psalm chapter two, I'm gonna close with that as a benediction to Psalm one and Psalm two. Well, Pastor Jose gave us the opportunity to pick the song that we wanted, you know, to talk about. Well, I was overwhelmed, right? There's 150 of those puppies in there. And so I've never read the whole book of Psalms because I mean, I get overwhelmed with 150 Psalms and I've only read the first couple, so I picked Psalm chapter one. <laughs> I'm glad you're laughing. I've read Psalms, don't worry, okay? <laughs> but by no stretch of imagination, am I an expert in the book of Psalms? Probably no one in the house is, but we do appreciate the songs of Jesus. And I think we appreciate the fact that we've looked uh, at some of these last six or seven weeks. This psalm is a song of dichotomy. It's a song of life versus death. It's a song of blessing versus cursing. It's a song of good and evil. It's a psalm of submission and rebellion. So I want to walk through this uh, psalm with you and pluck out some things that you might find interesting. Again, we're really talking about the choice that we have. How will we live this life? Verse one says this, blessed. 
You know, in the New Testament, you might be thinking right away, well, you hear that word blessed, you think about the Beatitudes. Matthew recorded the Beatitudes, the words of Jesus, the manifesto of the kingdom of God spoken by the king of kings himself. You might think blessed. And that word blessed in the New Testament is makarios. It was a Greek island. The Greek island at the time had no need for import or export. It was self-contained. So the idea is that when we adhere to the Beatitudes and we find our rest in God and in Jesus Christ, that that's where we find blessedness. That's where we find happiness. So really this word in Hebrew, which is this was written in Hebrew, please know that, is, is happiness. And it is, it's derived from a word, a noun actually, that talks about a path. And the path is a straight path versus a crooked path. So the word meshes with the fact that happy is one who is on that straight path. And it goes on to say, who does not walk. Now, when you look at that, you know, I was thinking in the English grammar, it'd be good to say follow. Who doesn't follow in the counsel of the wicked, which kind of makes sense to us. But really in the Hebrew mindset, they saw life as a journey. And so it's more of a walk than a followship. There's a process step by step. The happy is the person who walks that life's journey not based on the counsel of the wicked. Wicked is very easy to understand. It's one who's on the crooked path. That's what it means. We'll see that word a few times in this psalm. Nor stand in the path of sinners. Sinners is an easy word to understand. Sinners is one who's guilty of a crime or offense. It's a kissing cousin. The word in Hebrew is a kissing cousin to the word in Greek, which means missing the mark. Many of you know that already. It goes on to say, nor sit in the seat of scoffers. It's interesting that word sit doesn't have a time limit. In other words, you could sit there for a night and you could sit there for a period of time. It's not temporal or it's not eternal. It's kind of flexible if you know what I'm talking about. And then the word scoffers, very, very interesting word to me. And it makes, it means this, to make mouths to make mouths. Now there's all kinds of scoffers out there. Have you noticed? You may have scoffers in your household. You may have scoffers at the workplace, the halls at school, university halls, the dorm rooms, uh, the sphere of influence that you roll in. You have all kinds of scoffers out there. They make mouths. They make mouths at the righteous, the ones who are doing their best to stay on that narrow path. By the way, let me just insert that this psalm is not, is not about staying away from those who do not yet know Jesus Christ. If you understand that, can you say amen? That Jesus was a friend of sinners. That's not what we're talking about today. We're talking about a dichotomy here of those that are happy in Jesus Christ. So back to scoffers. One of the scoffers, a group of scoffers that we deal with, uh, you know, social media scoffers. Have you noticed or? Yeah, okay. Social media scoffers or maybe like news scoffers, people that are scoffing at the, is that a word scoffing? I like that word, scoffing at the things of God. Hello? 
Now, you know, the last presidential election, maybe you remember back that long, maybe you don't. But the last presidential election, I turned to my wife, Susan. By the way, we're working on 35 years come December, you know? Yes, thank you. You're clapping for Susan, I understand, all right? So I looked at Susan, I said, you know what? We, we take too much news into our life. Like news feeds and watching the news, the local news, national news, and all that kind of stuff. I said, what do you think about just unplugging from the news? And she said, well, I never liked the news anyway. And I said, I know, but okay, what about, you know, just unplug for a while? Oh my gosh, you talk about the spirit of liberty and freedom has fallen upon the Campbell household. Hello? <laughs> it's amazing what will happen when you unplug from all that stuff coming into your mind and heart. Try it you will experience a new level of freedom like overnight. Detach from it, get out of what the world is telling you that things are supposed to be uh, like out there and get into what the word tells you, okay? Might wanna try it. But his delight, the word delight means this, a bending of one's will. His delight is in the law. Oh, this is fun law. now. You folks that have been in church a while, you Bible scholars, you know that uh, law means Torah, right? And you know that Torah means the first five, five books of the Old Testament. And, and you would be right. Did you know that that noun, law, Torah, is also uh, rooted to a verb? And that verb is throw, like to throw something. And so in the Hebrew mindset, when there would be this thing called the throw of water, it would be rain. The throw of an arrow would be shoot. The throw of a finger would be to point. And so what we have here, but his bending of the will is in the throwing of the teachings of the Lord. So we don't just have the Torah anymore, do we? We have the totality of the Word of God, from Genesis to Revolution. Yes, I meant to say Revolution, ha, 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 okay? Genesis to Revelation, the totality of the Word of God. So really, life's answers, you've heard this before, but have you ingested it, I wonder? Life's answers are really found in the Word of Life, the Holy Bible, the Holy Writ, God's inspired Word for us today. So I got to thinking this week as I was preparing, you know, what, what are some you know, issues that, that we tend to deal with collectively? I wrote a list here, about 13 or 15. They may be yours, they may not be yours. It's, it's all cool, I just wanted to share a few. Marriage, family, finances, parents, kids. Not kids, but parents, uh, kids, can you relate to parents? Okay, I mean, as far as, yeah, okay. Work, health and mental health, sexuality, friendship, conflict resolution, anger, hurt, bitterness, happiness, the true definition of recession. <laughs> Just wanna make sure you're listening, okay? And you may not find that there specifically and literally, but guess what? You will find out through the scriptures how to recession-proof your, house, your household through the biblical use of your funds. Just a thought. Joy, peace, love, judgment, eternity. 
Now, I'm going to give you kind of a crazy idea. It may be elementary. But today, when I, when I got up, and I, had, I have two, cup, two cups of leaded coffee, and then I switched to decaf because otherwise my head starts going crazy. So I got up, had my two cups of coffee, I sat down on my computer, I got on Google. Have you heard of Google? Google? And so I typed in biblical use of finances. And in 0.59 seconds, I had 28 million results. Now, you educated folks in the house and you people are like, ooh, you better watch out doing that because you might get some heresy in there. You're exactly right, I get it. But listen to this. When you see those results and you see that they're rooted to scripture, that's a good thing. And then if you're a believer in Christ, you have the Holy Spirit, who's not an it, but a he who's in you, who's your teacher. He brings you into all truth. He's the spirit of truth. So when that scripture resonates with the Holy Spirit, it can give you some real clues on these issues that I just mentioned to you. If you're still stuck, what do you do? Well, you're always praying about this along the way, aren't you? You might go to a spiritual mentor, maybe a community group leader or somebody in your community group or an overseer of the church or a pastor. You know, I'm really struggling with this. This is a big issue for me. What do I do about it? And I wanted to just say to you, bend your way to the law of the Lord and then meditate on it day and night. I'm going to give you a, a few verses today to do that on before we close. As I was preparing for you in Colorado, each morning on my walk, about a 30-minute walk, I would take Psalm 1. I'd put it on my phone. As I was walking, I would just read over and over and over again. And that's the idea of med meditation. You ruminate on God's Word. It's literally... From a, the idea is a, a cow chewing uh, a cud. And that's, that's how a cow, cow breaks down uh, his, his food, her food. I know you talk about the message this week and you'll say, what did Pastor Rob talk about? He said, well, act like a cow, you know? That's kind of the idea. Some of you read through the whole Bible every single year. God bless you, go for it. But those little bite-sized pieces, I really encourage you to just ruminate on, meditate on those. This is fascinating, actually, and then we'll switch gears. He'll be like a tree planted by streams of water. It's interesting that the actual definition of planted is transplanted. In other words, taken from this locale and put in this locale. Taken from this experience and put into a new experience. That's literally what the word means. So as you adhere to verses 1 and 2, you'll be translated by streams of water, which yields its fruit in its season, its, its leaf does not wither, and whatever he does, he prospers. The word prospers mean, means someone who is a part of a successful battle or adventure. Now, here we are where... The clutch is pushed in. The gears are shifted. If you're a millennial, you have no idea what I'm talking about. Okay with that? <laughs> and we go into something new on verse 4. Look what it says in verse 4. 
The wicked, we already know what wicked means. The wicked are on the crooked path. We've identified that as well. It's not a judgment, it's just what the word means. But they're like chaff. You know what chaff is? It's the casing that surrounds the grain of seed. It has to be removed during the threshing process. So it says the chaff, which the wind blows away. That's what the wicked are like. Some of us just get so angry at the wicked. Chill. Chill. Deep breaths, everyone. Nice pose, posture, okay? <laughs> Chill. A chaff, winds will blow away. God's got this. Hello? God's got this. Hello? Hey. Therefore, the wicked, crooked path, will not stand in the judgment. To me, as I was on my walk, walks in Colorado, I was like, well, I don't quite get that. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment. Literally, they won't rise up in the judgment. There won't be a rebellion in the judgment. We all must appear before the judgment seat of Christ. And literally, the words go like this. The wicked will not maintain a right standing in the judgment. Nor sinners, remember we've already identified that word, haven't we? It's the guiltiest charge against a crime or offense that we've committed, kissing cousin to missing the mark in the Old Testament, in the assembly of the righteous, meaning those that come together in the name of the Lord for a common purpose. It goes on to say this, for the Lord knows it's not a casual no, by the way, but it's an intimate no. It's appropriate here today that you casually know certain people gathered here. It's totally appropriate. It's very appropriate as well that you intimately know some individuals gathered here today. Everybody's got that, I'm sure. The Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. Perish means destroyed, separated, not a part of the whole. So you see how this psalm is a psalm of dichotomy. It's a choice that we can make, and it is our choice. God doesn't force you to do anything. Why? Because he has immense love for you. He desires for us to respond to him out of obedience, which is rooted in his love. If that makes sense, can you say amen? So next slide. Help me along here so I can stay on track. What do we got? Ah, I told you that Psalm 1 and 2 were a package deal. So here at the end of Psalm chapter 2, we have the benediction for these two. Look what it says here. Remember King David, King underscored King David writes these two Psalms. Therefore, you kings, be wise, be warned, you rulers of the earth, serve the Lord with fear and celebrate his rule with trembling. Kiss his son. That's a little odd to me. Kiss his son. Or he'll be angry and your way will lead to your destruction. For his wrath can flare up in a moment. Blessed are all who take refuge in him. But here, King David is pointing us to a son who will come. Don't miss the messianic 
and the prophetic message that is revealed to us in a writing that was penned 1,410 BC. He's pointing us to a son that is to come. And he says, bow down in obedience. Bow down in reverence. Kiss the son. We see that as the anointing and leadership is passed on a few times in the Old Testament. Check that out for yourself. And then what happens? Well, for the nation, for the nation, for the nation. Blessed are all who take refuge in him. So the template that Pastor Jose asked us to use is right here. There are the three A's. Adore. Think about that this week. And admit and aspire. I want to unpack aspire will be done. How does this psalm, oh, go back. I don't know what the question is. How does this psalm compel me to to respond? All right, next one. Thank you. Watch this. Now, I wonder if you've been in that barren place before. I have. I wonder if you've been in that burned up, charred, ashen place before. And you're like, I don't know how I'm gonna get out of bed today, but I gotta get out of bed. And I don't know how I'm gonna do this. Adversaries are to my right and left, or the sin that I brought onto myself is so heavy, I don't know how I'm gonna do life anymore. No lifting of the heads, hands, please, but I wonder if you've been there before. And you ponder, what am I gonna do? So for a little while you employ self-talk, positive talk, right? Then 30 minutes later you're going, now what am I gonna try? You think, well, I'll employ willpower. And then a day or so, you're going, now what am I going to do? Anybody with me? I mean, as I said to you over and over again, for many years, your eyeball to the curb, right? Your adversaries, as I already said, are surrounding you, and you're just, your own stuff is just encompassing you. What are you going to do? I want to say to you in the name of Jesus that your way out is through God's redemptive power, which was displayed on the cross of Jesus Christ. He says this, and this is the verse I'd love for you to type out, write down, ruminate, meditate on. Put it on your fridge, put it on your dashboard, put it on your bathroom mirror. Let it splash over you over and over and over again. Speak it out loud if you need to over and over and over again. No one will think you're funny. You have nothing to lose. This is the word of God, the word of truth, the word of life. Look what it says. There's no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. So when the enemy comes and starts whispering in your ear, you're unworthy. You'll never be restored. You'll never be redeemed. You call yourself a Christian? You call yourself a good Christian? 
You realize that good Christian is an oxymoron, right? And he's just going to attack and attack and attack and attack and attack. And you may have to, and I would encourage you to, to say out loud, enemy, you have no authority in my life because of the cross of Jesus and the blood that was shed on the cross and the fact that Jesus Christ is alive today. He's the risen Lord. Can I get a better amen? Hello. For the power of the life-giving spirit has freed you through Christ Jesus from the power of sin that leads to death. The law of Moses could not save us because of our sinful nature. But God put into effect a different plan to save us. He sent his own son in a human body like ours, except that ours are sinful. God destroyed sin's control over us by giving his son as a sacrifice for our sins. Just allow that to splash over you time and time and time again. This last verse, I want to show you something you may want to ruminate on and meditate on as well. First John 1, 9. Memorize it. It's easy. You can do it in a couple days, can't you? We confess our sins to him, and he is faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from every wrong. Can I get an amen out there? You know, most of us pick Crystal Falls. I'm kind of with you on that. Kind of a cool place to hang out, unless winter blows in and then I'll be freezing, okay? But I want to take you back to the Amazon. Don't have a picture for you because I would just have to Photoshop a picture because I don't know exactly where those fires were in Brazil. But if you went back there today, I think you would find life, vivaciousness, amazing scenery. That's kind of how it works. I don't understand it. But God as creator redeems and he restores. Not only creation, like the Brazilian Amazon, but you and me. This altar is open to you. Maybe it's a Sunday where you just need to say, hey, you know what? No mas, senor. I'm going to walk on that path. I'm going to get right. I'm tired of the stuff I'm bringing upon myself. I'm tired of dealing with all the adversity around me. I really just want to delight myself, bend myself to the whole breadth of the law of the Lord, the word of God. Maybe that's you today. You just want to put a stake in the ground and come to this altar and say, yep, that's where I want to rest. That's where I want to be. We used to call in the old days just a recommitment of our faith, right? A reaffirmation of our faith. I invite you to this altar. You might be thinking in your mind, well, if I go down there, people uh, will think I'm sick, and um, yes, we're all sick. Welcome to the to group, okay? And we're all dysfunctional. We're all healthy in our own ways. We all have our issues. But thanks to God, through the blood of Jesus Christ, he's taken deceitful heart and he's given us a new heart. But don't worry about what other people think. We're above that. Can I get a better amen? Just come down here and do business with the Lord. I don't get uh, extra, you know, points or, you know, 
uh, merits or cash or anything for the people that come down. I don't care who comes down, but I do because I want you to do business with the Lord. Hello? So this altar is open to you. Just come down. Be cleansed. Put your feet in the streams of the water. Enjoy Crystal Falls for a little while. Know that God is going to redeem and restore you out of that not so good place. He is. He's going to restore you as you walk that path. He's going to do that because that's who God is. Father, we pray in Jesus' name that you'll do business with us now and throughout the course of the week as we ruminate, meditate, and think about these two closing portions of Scripture. May they wash over us and renew us for life ahead. And I pray these things in the name of Jesus that everyone in the house said amen. Would you stand to your feet? This altar is open to you.